and almost feeling like the biggest fraud ever because I was just sitting there amongst this group of you know people that no one else had kids there was no common ground for me for pressing play on today's podcast episode. It's a solo one and it's rather off the cuff. I have not planned for this episode, but recently I received a direct message about dating after a divorce and then I popped up a question box on my Instagram stories and I had quite a few replies come through. I'm talking hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of replies if I'm honest. So I thought I would just pick a few and chat about them completely unscripted and unplanned and I'll just flick through and as we go I'll pick a few that I think will apply to a variety of people. So question number one, how much do you disclose to your date about your marriage or divorce? Just quickly a word from today's sponsors, unless of course you're one of our Venti members, in that case there are no ads and your episode is about to keep playing. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. I think that really depends upon what number date it is. So if it's date number one, I don't think you need to disclose anything about your marriage or your divorce. You know, if the topic of marriage and divorce comes up, which it probably will in terms of, you know, what's your relationship history. And again, it depends how much back and forth you've had with this person. Often you'll turn up to a first date already having some background information, already knowing that they went through a divorce a few years ago or that they've never been married, but you really don't owe anyone anything. And I would urge you to be cautious with the information that you share when it comes to your marriage or divorce, because that is not the purpose of going on a date with someone. It is not to treat them like your girlfriend or your therapist. And it's not, I think like vice versa, the intention for you shouldn't be to get to the weeds of why their marriage didn't work or find out all the nitty gritty details about their divorce, you are going on a date to meet the person where they are now. Keep that in mind with dating. Of course, if and when and how your relationship progresses, you will share bits and bobs of information about your history. That's how we get to know someone that is part of building intimacy and connection is exchanging bits of information. But I would just urge you not to go on a date and spew all of your history all over someone. It's not a good thing to do. And it's not a nice thing to receive either. Number two, I've just come out of an 18 year long marriage and I'm struggling to not self-sabotage a new relationship. So I think it is incredible that you can recognize 
you have a tendency or a desire, an impulse to self-sabotage. It's such a relatable thing. It is so relatable that when things are going well, there's something inside of you that tells you, quick, set this on fire because it will be easier to get it over with now. Or you're not actually worth it, so do this thing now so that they know. that They know and you can get through the pain. It's really like really, really a credit to you that you have that level of self-awareness that you are leaning towards or that you're having thoughts of self-sabotage. This is when it is so important to connect with someone who is licensed, who is trained, who specializes in helping people to overcome those thoughts and behaviors and patterns. Maybe it's a counselor, maybe it's a psychologist. You know, there are a million different modalities out there You can look into cognitive behavioral therapy or DBT. There's a lot of different um, therapy styles out there that you could look into. There are brilliant books. There's group therapy. But I think this is your invitation right now to go a bit deeper. What is it that self-sabotage gives you? Because sabotaging ourselves does give us something And that's a really uncomfortable thing to sit down and think about. But for example, if you're, you know, in the throes of an eating disorder, and I know that I give this example a lot just because it's clearly close to my heart and I know a bit about it. But if you're stuck in an eating disorder cycle, what is that cycle giving you? You know, for a lot of people, it's giving them a sense of control. Um, It's giving them a release. It's proving something to themselves deep down. So this is your invitation to work out what is it that is going on for you and to really practice separating your thoughts from your actions and to build that inner dialogue and build that practice up, that skill set of going, okay, I'm having a thought and I'm having the impulse to do X, Y, Z, but I recognize I need to pause right now and use my wise mind not my emotional mind. And I need to look at the facts. I need to look at the objective truth of it. And this is really exhausting stuff. It sounds so simple to just say it into the microphone. Just use your wise mind. Don't use your emotional mind. Look at it objectively. Like it sounds so like, duh, of course that's what we should do. But it's really hard to fight that emotional impulse when it sets in, particularly if it is deeply ingrained. The human brain is so fascinating and so wonderful and we can create new neural pathways with our thoughts and our habits and our actions, but it takes effort and it takes a lot of effort at the start and a lot of commitment as well. So I would encourage you, this lady who has written in, who is just out of an 18 year long relationship to give yourself some grace and compassion and get in touch with how you are actually feeling Is it fear? Is it overwhelm? Is it a deep belief that you're not good enough? Like, what is it for you that is causing you to want to blow things up? Do you have a fear of actually being happy? I can remember a time in my relationship with Brendan when something was happening for us and I was like, oh my gosh. Well, actually, he said it. He's like, you're allowed to be happy. And I'm like, fuck fuck, 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 (laughs) you know, and like out of the two of us, when it comes to emotional awareness observations, I would say I'm usually one or two steps ahead of him. But I remember him saying to me, yeah, you're allowed to be happy, you know. And it was just like, 
this cataclysmic realization of like, oh my gosh, I didn't realize how scared I am deep down to actually be happy and realize what I have. Because when you know what you have and you also know what it feels like to lose what you have, that's confronting. So just dig a bit deeper. It's an invitation. And I think dating is full of these incredible invitations, these moments where you get to pause and realize, oh, something has been brought to the surface. What do I do with this information? I know so many people out there will talk about how you shouldn't get involved with anyone until you have done all of the healing work on yourself and you are just this like empirical, evangelical, incredible, immaculate being. But it's just not the case. We get to do the work while we are exploring relationships and relationships are often the vehicle for the work that we need to do. Going on dates helps us to learn about ourselves and our triggers and our true desires. And just like this listener has said, her tendency to self-sabotage. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Okay. I was really popping off there, wasn't I? <laughs> Number three. Did you find you were split in two being the fun single person on kid free dates? but then in mum life all day. Okay, I've spoken about this on social media, so I will try and keep it brief here in the podcast. But yes, I had that experience of feeling such total whiplash between being a girlfriend and being a mum. And I think that's why when I started seeing Brendan, I wanted to integrate my life as a mum and my life as a girlfriend into one being. And that's not going to be right for everyone. And even as I say it out loud, I still don't know if that was the right way, the perfect way. Is it exactly how I would do it again? Probably not. I don't know. But that's just how I did it at the time. Because again, we're always learning on the job, right? Like none of us approach any situation being completely able to see, you know, every single angle of everything and nail everything all the time. That's just not how life is. But I definitely moved quickly with Brendan in terms of letting him see me as a mum because I had had the experience of being in a relationship with someone for like 14 months where there was such disconnection between who I was with him and who I actually really was. I really didn't even understand the duplicitous I guess, and not in a malicious way, but just the duplicitous, can't speak, nature of how I was living at that time, because it was the first time I had really had feelings, serious feelings for anyone after my like long-term relationship. And my ex-boyfriend definitely wasn't interested in having that blended family life that just wasn't for him at the time. I don't know if it's for him now, but it just was never going to be that. And so it was very much like, okay, when the kids are at their dad's, I am the girlfriend. 
And of course, I will never fully take the mum hat off because I am a mum through and through. But I can remember going to social situations with him, you know, like Christmas is in July and whatever, whatever else, because like, he had just a great friend circle and almost feeling like the biggest fraud ever because I was just sitting there amongst this group of, you know, people that no one else had kids. There was no common ground for me. And I was kind of playing a role of feeling like the girlfriend and trying to fit in and trying to, again, I, I come back to the word performative because I wanted to be that. There's so much grooming for us as girls to be the cool girl and be easygoing and not make anyone's life harder and meet their needs. Like it's, it's a whole lot of stuff and it's something I could go into more in another episode And truthfully, I probably have gone into it enough. I think people get the picture. But yes, I felt very much whiplashed a lot of the time. And like I didn't really integrate my full self into that relationship or just in general because I was always going from one role to the other. It was such a nice thing for me to be able to integrate my romantic life into my real life and to be fully seen and to feel like, oh, Brendan sees me as a mum and he loves me as a mum and he still finds me attractive and he gets that there's multiple sides to me. It did make me feel safer in my relationship with him. And I guess that was largely due to the fact that I had experienced that breakup where I felt just like, oh, so all over the show and so upset with myself that I did compartmentalize for what I think was probably too long for me. I just knew that, okay, I'd want to go into this relationship with this person knowing all sides to me. And that's not to say that's the perfect way to do it. I think that in the start, when you are dating someone, you have to protect your kids First and foremost, you have to be so vigilant with your children's safety. And I am. I am such a vigilant parent when it comes to their safety. And you have to be. You do not leave your kids alone with someone that you do not know. You do not let someone stay over in your house until you know them really, really well. And even then, like the person can be incredible. You still have to have their best interest at heart and be their number one protector and supporter. Okay, what else have we got into? Someone said, don't rush into anything just to fill a void and prioritize yourself because you probably didn't before. I co-sign this, don't rush into anything just to fill a void. If you have a really big, deep fear of being alone and you feel panicked at the thought of being alone, so you're out there dating just to fill that void, you're probably going to have lower standards or expectations on how you're treated or the person that you're with because the fear of being alone is so big. So I definitely agree with not rushing into anything. Even though I just said before, I don't think that you have to spend you know, months and months or years and years healing every single trauma and every single wound before you can get tangled up with someone. I think you just have to know what place it is coming from. If it's coming from a place of not feeling valuable in society because you don't have a partner, again, confront that fear head on, learn about it, learn how to cope, get some support, and then come back to dating when you're feeling a little more um, at peace 
because you don't want to be dating with this pressure of like, oh my gosh, I have to find a partner because I'm so afraid of being alone or I'm so scared of not being considered valuable or my kids need a role model. You don't want to find a partner from a place of desperation. And I don't think this is the case for a lot of single women because you don't exit a relationship. You know, maybe you didn't actually want the relationship to end, But for a lot of women, you know, the stats are saying women are choosing to leave unhappy relationships at a much higher rate nowadays. And so if you have like made that choice to leave a marriage, that's a hard thing to do. Not even a marriage, just a long term relationship or choosing to separate from someone that you have kids with. That's not a choice that you make lightly. And because of that, the bar tends to be set that bit higher because it's like, you know what? I have gone through some stuff. I have seen some shit and I am not willing to accept anything other than something that is truly fulfilling and great. All right, next up. So many pen pals only want to chat, flirt and never commit to a date. Yes, this definitely happens on dating apps across the board. A lot of people use dating apps just as a time filler. Something fun or even not not even fun. Fun is definitely a stretch. Just something mind-numbing to do. Like flicking through people's Instagram stories, right? Sometimes people will be like, oh, this person's watched my Instagram story. It must mean something. But more often than not, they're just flicking through it probably while they're sitting on the toilet and it means absolutely nothing. And a lot of conversations you will have with people on dating apps are just that. They just don't mean anything. So try not to get too attached or too invested or to read too much into things and be careful with your time. Don't set aside a lot of time or take time away from other important things in your life to respond to people that could very well completely disappear the next time you open the app. Time is precious and your energy is precious. So if you find yourself in this dynamic where you're chatting a lot. There's that pen pal dynamic. And sometimes it's so painful, that pen pal chat where it's like, how was your day? Good. How was your day? Good. And it's just like, oh, this is so boring. If you're in a pen pal dynamic or you feel like maybe it's the opposite, it's so lengthy and laborious and they're asking you so many questions that you feel like you have to respond with an essay and be really thoughtful, just Pull the trigger and ask them out on a date. You've met, you've matched on a dating site. It is not completely unreasonable. In fact, that is the purpose of the dating app to actually connect and go on a date and see if this person is a fit for you. So ask the question, do you want to get off the app and meet in real life? Or you could say, hey, I'm super busy. It's been nice getting to chat with you. I just don't have a lot of time to spend on this app. Here's my phone number if you'd like to go for a drink sometime and throw the ball into their court because they will either pick it up and run with it and book that date in with you or they won't. And you can save yourself some trouble and some wasted time and energy rather than being stuck in that dynamic where you just have like a little text friend. And I feel like in this day and age, so many of us are bad at replying to our real life friends or our real life family members. So you don't want to be spending a significant amount of time talking to a stranger. You don't want to invest in someone until you know, oh, I'm actually going to meet this person. So just ask the question. And speaking of questions, last but not least, 
how to discuss different co-parenting arrangements with your new partner when you both have kids. I don't think that there are any magical ways to do this other than to sit down and have the conversation. And I imagine this is so tricky when you have different co-parenting dynamics and arrangements. I think it would be pretty unlikely that you'll meet someone who has kids that has the exact arrangement as you. So you might find yourself in a situation where perhaps you have your kids one week on, one week off, and then you start dating someone who has the same arrangement, but it might be, you know, completely the opposite week. So you've got your kids one week, his or her kids week, kids the next week, and rinse and repeat. And then you've got that dynamic of like, okay, the children don't have the crossover on one hand. That might be great for the kids, depending on the age and how they cope with that sort of stuff. Or... That might be really challenging because that means that you never get any time to just be a couple in those early, you know, days and weeks and months. And maybe that makes it really challenging for the kids because they don't get to integrate and spend time together. Or maybe it changes every single week and you're both on these wild rolling rosters and then it can just feel a bit chaotic and you don't know whether you're coming or going. So sitting down comparing calendars. I think you could have a shared calendar. That would probably be a really easy way of having things. I know in my Gmail calendar, it's all color coded. So the days that the boys go and see their dad, those are yellow in my calendar. So, and again, I'm in a tricky situation because I have this silly rolling rotation that I have to follow, but it makes it visually as simple as possible for me if I'm trying to plan something because I can open my calendar and go, okay, that's happening on that day. I at least know that. So I would think like depending on the stage of relationship you are at, maybe having a shared calendar or at least importing, inputting each other's custody arrangement into your calendar so that you know, and you don't have to always ask the same questions and you can have a little bit of foresight into planning things that could be helpful. There are so many different things at play when it comes to co-parenting arrangements. You might have the best relationship ever with your ex and lots of flexibility and nothing is set in stone, or you might have a really icy relationship with your ex and you can't rely on them for anything. And that has challenges as well, of course. So I don't think there's any magical way to have the conversation about custody and child arrangements when you're dating someone who has kids as well, other than just sitting down and both being really committed to making it work. I also think that if you're blending a family and you're doing it where there's kids on both sides of the family, there's nothing wrong. In fact, it's probably the right thing to do is to reach out to a family therapist and get some guidance and support on the best way to do it for not only you, but most importantly for the kids. I remember having a family therapist on the podcast and you can go back and find this episode. Her name's Monique Harding and she's wonderful. And she said that it takes five years for the average family to successfully blend. That's a long time. And it's very easy to sit down and go, oh, it's going to have its challenges. It's going to have its highs and lows. But when you're actually in those lows, It's very hard to stay focused and remember that it will pass and you've just got to ride it out. So maybe having some plans as well, you know, if X, then Y, if this happens, what is our go-to move? I think often in parenting, 
we have this idea that we're just going to know what to do and we just don't. You know, think about fire drills in a building. We have a fire drill so that when the fire alarm goes off, if the fire alarm goes off, we know what to do. It is a practice run. So have those practice run meetings with your partner about what you're going to do when the wheels come off so that when the wheels come off, you're not in a reactive mode. You're in a responsive mode. You know when X, then Y, and you are united on that front. All right. I hope this has been helpful. I will perhaps chip away at a few more of these questions over on social media. You can find me on Instagram at Kylie Lately. If you enjoyed this style of episode, please let me know. You can slide into my DMs and I really appreciate you listening to today's episode. Before you go anywhere, I just wanted to mention that if you happen to be going through a breakup or you've recently gone through a separation or you're considering going through a separation, you really need to take a look at Surviving Separation. It is a program I created because I know what it is like to feel like your whole world is coming apart. And there were so many elements of my own separation that I wish I knew and understood and had support for, like just in terms of going through the actual legal side of things, the practical side of things with co-parenting, supporting kids, supporting myself, going through that real loss of identity. So as I moved through my separation and I got to a point where I felt like I had some wisdom to share, I reached out to some of the best in the business. I'm talking therapists, divorce coaches, lawyers, and I invited them to contribute to create surviving separation. It is going to be your best friend if you are going through a breakup. And if you enjoy podcasts, you're going to love Surviving Separation because it comes with seven hours of audio. And I know that when I was going through a really hard time, it helped. It really helped to listen to other people's stories, other people's words of wisdom, just to know that I wasn't alone and that everything I was experiencing was valid and it would eventually pass. So we have a discount code for you to access Surviving Separation. You will receive it instantly. It's a beautiful program. As I mentioned, you've got your audio element as well. So head to thefray.com, F-R-A-E.com. Details are in the show notes and use our code IM, all in capitals, for 20% off today. Definitely check it out because going through a separation is soul destroying sometimes and I hate to say it but it is and surviving separation was created so that you could feel supported and seen and have a bit of a roadmap through the really tricky times ahead so that discount code again is I am for 20% off surviving separation if you know a girlfriend who is going through it perhaps reach out and let her know Today's podcast episode was recorded on the land of the Bunjalung Nation. In the spirit of reconciliation, we acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. 
we pay our respect to their elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 